Hi, I'm Kieran and this is Growth Lessons, the show where I interview founders who've grown their business or community, try to understand how they did it and find actionable lessons we can take away. Mike Rubini is a different kind of founder. Instead of focusing on one business, he purposefully launches multiple businesses simultaneously and maintains them all. He currently has over five active businesses on the go and all of them are profitable. The type of business he creates is called SaaS or Software as a Service. This means he writes software which people pay a regular amount to have access to. It's a brilliant business model because he only needs to create the software once but can sell it many times over. This was a fascinating and inspiring conversation. I hope you enjoy it. I'm Mike Rubini. I'm uh, an entrepreneur from Italy and I make SaaS, which stands for Software as a Service, if you don't know, which basically means, well, it's a business model where you code a software and you bring it to the market and you know oftentimes you hope that uh, people find some value in it and they pay something monthly to access it so that's basically the business model that i use and uh, i've been doing this for years now and i think one one thing that it's peculiar to me is that i'm also a jazz musician and i actually do the software part in order to be able to play more. So that's uh, basically what I do. So did you know how to program? I mean, I assume you, you program this stuff yourself, do you? Yeah, so uh, I, I, I do know how to program. I didn't start by making software products, to be honest. Like in, well, my story is like in 2010, I graduated here from a local conservatory uh, in Saxon. And I was able to get a, um, a yeah a scholarship for a yeah to go to go over to abroad to the U.S. to study jazz in a school there in in New York in Manhattan. And while I was there, you know, I saw that musicians, you know, great musicians playing for literally a pizza. So I said, hey, I have to do something, right? And that's when I basically built two uh, marketing agencies. Uh, one after the other, uh, and I started with what I knew best, and I still know best, which are jazz musicians and jazz music in general. And so I did the marketing agency that focused on helping jazz musicians and jazz brands, and uh, that's you know when uh, with uh, with what I started with. And after that, uh, I returned to Italy. I came came back here in Italy, and I started my first SaaS because I always knew how to code. Like in, when I was younger, I was fascinated by, well, computer, but not like local stuff. I was more into remote stuff like sockets and basically interfacing with the, the internet, this thing called the internet. And yeah, I was always fascinated. And I learned to code, you know, because I was fascinated with that. And in fact, I was into internet security a lot you know the, the typical things that you know teenagers do that's <laughs> probably what i was doing at that age and so how did you decide to start your first SaaS, and what was it yeah so my first SaaS. well i bought a course on affiliate marketing and uh, there was a community with that like that came with the course and uh, this community you know People were talking about uh, different traffic methods that you can use to, you know, bring traffic to your um, landing pages, basically, where your offer is, and then you convert, and then you take a cut of the money. That's basically affiliate marketing in a nutshell. 
And one method that uh, they were using is native advertising. And um, with native, if you don't know what is it, it's basically this method of advertising that, yeah, basically there are ads that look uh, very much similar to the site they are on. So basically if you go to cnn.com or whatever other publishers, like big publishers online, you will see this kind of ads. And they are not from the publisher itself, but they look like they are from the publisher itself. And that's because, you know, you want to have higher uh, CTR for click-through rates, right? Because they look the same, you know, people uh, think they, they, they are from the publisher and they click on it more. And so this is a form of, of advertising. The problem there was that the advertiser, so the, the, like the person who was advertising on this publisher, usually goes to a network which knows basically a network what it does it it uh, buys sites like buys spots on on publishers on on sites on websites big websites and then it sells uh, those spots to advertisers through an action basically you have to bid and the the highest bidder gets the top placement if it makes sense and so the problem there it, it was that the network was hiding the the URL of the websites because you know they don't want the advertiser to go directly to the publisher to, to the website and say hey i see that the, the website converts good uh, let me just you know pay you and not the network um, and so the first task that i did um, basically allowed to understand the url of, of, of the publisher and this was a, a great thing for for affiliate marketing and uh, yeah the product is still up i lately exited or well, I should say I gifted my shares to my former investors in it. And uh, yeah, I made so many mistakes with that product, but it was a good uh, journey, I think. Yeah, so it sounds like it started as kind of a kind of subversive experiment to see if you could get around this thing and then turn into an actual product. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, basically, you know, I was fascinating, again, with, with security and stuff. So I, like, I think my... My um, unique thing is, you know, uh, the ability to know where to look, uh, to find, you know, these opportunities to then build a product on. And uh, yeah, I did that, you know, since the start. And that was for sure, you know, something that I did with that product as well. And yeah, my first investors were actually top affiliates. So they were like power users of the product uh, as well. So it made sense. So... After doing that, and I guess you were making some revenue from that, what what made you decide, okay, I like this, I'm going to continue, but build something different rather than just focusing on that first product? Yeah, so uh, we, like the experience with the first product was uh, good, but uh, again, I did so many mistakes. And what I did not like, did not like was having investors on, having a team, Specifically, like I found out that you know I was ma- managing a team of maybe three, four, four uh, persons, four people, four devs, three or four devs, and uh, I found out that you know the the time that you communicate something, it could be spending just by me, you know, building, and that would be faster than that. So that's one thing that I uh, recognized. And because of that, I thought, you know, I will just do this by myself and see what I'm capable of just doing this with my own 
courses, my own, yeah, my own skills. And uh, that's what I did. Since then, I started a lot of SaaS products. The first, I think, that I did after that was called Engage.net at the time. And now it's called usecart.com. And it's a e-commerce in, you know, intelligence, a competitive intelligence product. And basically what we do is we collect data on e-commerce stores, e-commerce products, e-commerce vendors, and then we sell uh, those data to e-commerce merchants. So how many products have you made altogether? Well, that's a tough question. I made a lot of them. Some, I mean, usually the products that I do luckily, lucky enough to be profitable as soon as they go to market because my expenses are very low. And this is also one thing that like, I stress a lot because it's a mistake I did in the past uh, is, you know, keep your expenses low. And also I don't have any overhead because it's just me, uh, you know, building and doing the marketing and doing the support. So I would say more than 10. Right now active, I think I have five or six. So that's the number there. That's amazing. And are there any kind of common threads that run throughout all of them or are they all completely different markets, different customers? No. So what I try to do is, well, the thing is when you start building, you start to know yourself a lot. And that's why I recommend to build a lot in, in the, like in the beginning phase. And, you know, for, for me, I understand that I'm a starter. So I like to like, I like to do to go zero to one a lot and not necessarily one to 10, but zero to one a lot. And I also like, you know, collecting data a lot. That's what I'm good at. And uh, so all of my products are around, are around, you know, collecting data scraping. So that's basically the common thread there. In terms of how I actually go about building products, I have a method that I use. I usually build via, via Negativa. So, and, and min, minus one, uh, if, it, if it makes sense. So what I do is typically is I found, I, I find, I try to find a feature in one of my current products that can be moved elsewhere in a new product in a new market that, you know, in this new market becomes a core feature. I don't know if that makes sense, but that's how I operate. So for example, my product Trendly, that's T-R-E-E-N-D-L-Y.com. We spot pricing trends there, but that was a feature that I had in cart in the other product that I mentioned. So I basically took that feature and uh, moved it to another product and entire different market because, you know, it can serve also people that are not in e-commerce now and, you know, it's making money now. So uh, that's basically how I operate. Another, another uh, example is um, um, a, a SaaS that I coded and brought to the market in, I think, two days, which is uh, targetbear.com. And it's about uncovering then targeting interests on Facebook. And that feature was part of one of my other products called Scrapebook, which I don't advertise a lot because I'm trying to, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm not like proud of it. So I'm trying to leave that business, but it was a feature of this product and I completely moved uh, into a product on its own. And, uh, and also that product is also making money. So, uh, I mean, what I uh, reckon is that uh, usually the problem with people who know how to code is that they code a lot. 
So it's like it, we tend to code a lot of features into one product. Uh, and especially like my first products can be like nine or, or 10 SaaS, like standing alone SaaS. So yeah, what I'm trying to do is extrapolating all these features and try to understand how can I market those in uh, other markets where it makes more sense for those features to be, yeah, to be alive. Okay. So I think, you know, a lot of people listening are probably, I've got features in my product, which I w- could put potentially spin out into other markets. But the, the difficult point is identifying the right markets for the right features to spin them mm-hmm. out into products. How do you go about identifying markets and testing to see if you have product market fit with the, with the new SaaS product? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so uh, I mean, in the beginning I did surveys a lot, so I would like even do surveys on my Facebook friends, which, you know, if, if you are like me, you have all, only like market, marketer friends and other coder friends. So yeah, that's one, one way you can go about it. But right now, I just, to be honest, just build and, and then just launch. Because for me, again, like spending like an hour trying to come up with questions for the survey, like in an hour, I can have probably help of the product done right now. So I, I, I'll just you know, try to um, build and, and go to market uh, as fast as I can. And then if it doesn't seem to work in one market do you then try some other ones yeah possibly i mean right now basically it happened i think one or two times that i didn't find product market fit in terms of like the product making sales because for me like product market fit is like it's just like the product making sales some kind of sales because like my 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 goal with it is just, you know, have, have this as a lifestyle business. I want to be in it for the long term and just be able to sustain me uh, so that I can, I, I can go play my saxophone, you know. So it's not like I, I want a one, one billion, you know, dollars company. I just need, you know, my five, six K a month to, to go whatever I want. So that's actually, I think, easily achievable if you think about it. The other, the other thing that I do that I think allows me to do that is that I don't use a lot of things because my theory is that you don't need 99% of things that you think you need at whatever stage you are in. So if you are, especially if you are a beginner, so if you are a beginner, you don't need like a logo, you don't need a support team, you don't need this, you don't need anything. And um, this is also how I code. So for example, I don't use framework. I don't use like a lot of things in the actual code itself that can slow me down because I optimize for velocity and for, you know, going to the market as soon as I can, as I told you. So, you know, through the years, I developed a framework of, of my own that I use and that can get me to working on the core of the product as soon as possible because uh, I don't want to be redoing out like yeah, the authorization of users and stuff like registration of users part of the code every time I want to do once and then it works and then uh, I can just plug it plug it in and then you know being working on on the core of the product faster so so one of the difficult things about being a solo SaaS founder is trying to find customers 
of the right size because if you try and sell to large companies they very quickly start asking you accreditations and things like that if you try and sell to individuals freelancers and things like that they often don't have much money charging a few dollars a month how do you find the or what do you think is the ideal customer and how do you find them so it it depends i actually uh, struggled with going up a market myself but it's definitely definitely doable i don't think like you know if, if you are solving a problem for the big guys eventually they will pay it's it's just that they are very very slow so like the, the sales cycle is, is low uh, compared to just you know the usual self-serve app that you can spin up and having customers in literally as, as the website is up so there i i think you know there there are some things you can do in terms of like for example cultivating relationships with some target uh, prospects some target clients that you want because I think you have to work, basically, sometimes you have to, like with big guys, you have to, to work in, in the contrary. So you have to have a list of like prospects that you want to really have that can be, you know, your, let's say, ideal target market. And then you have reached them or do something like that. In the past, I've tried that. I, had, I, I didn't have a lot of luck with it, but I definitely tried. Right now, uh, it's actually, you know, big companies are actually writing to me for some product and that's the best situation maybe they don't like recognize that it's only one guy on the other end but yeah it's definitely hard because i mean english is not even my primary language as you probably understand by now yeah sometimes i i, I go in situation where there are maybe it's an edge fund manager on the other side with like three or five three or four other people on the other side of the call and then only me and it feels like i'm in school you know inter- in an interrogation room or something so it's definitely art and i think when when you are really at like at that level that you know they are really interested in the product and you know you think you start to think about you know how to price so money you want to involve a lawyer or some other you know sales person to really do justice like and, and protect you because Again, it feels like an interrogation room sometimes. Yeah, I know. I know that feeling very well. So how do you decide on pricing? Because that that's often the most difficult thing. It sounds like you, you start charging right. You don't offer, you know, free for a few months. How, but how do you decide how much you're going to charge for your products? Yeah, so I definitely don't like free, either like free plants or free trials. I don't like. Because, uh, well, if you go to a restaurant, it's not like you try the dish and then if you don't like it, you know what to do. So I, I don't think most things in life are free and definitely, you know, SaaS shouldn't be one of them either. So I try to, pl- to price low at the beginning and then I, I increase the price as I go. But I, you, like, to be honest, I don't think that's the, the good strategy. And... I mean, pricing is very subjective to the product and, you know, to the market. But for example, with Trendly, I was charging $9 per month and I did most of the sales at that price, at that price, $9 per month. Then I increased to $29 per month and people are still buying. 
But I think the best scenario for me would be to charge uh, annual prices, so like uh, $300 up front, for example, or $400 up front for the whole year, because that would allow me to have more cash flow to then, to, to then go to, you know, be more aggressive on maybe buying ads or other things, which, by the way, I don't do, I don't do any like paid ads uh, right now. So I usually do marketing doing things that do not scale, like program says, and basically I work a lot. So I would do, you know, a lot of, a lot of things like even uh, going on Facebook groups and trying to start relationships there. You know, I would go on Twitter and try to reply with, you know, a lot of value just to understand my market a little bit better. I would like going go and comment on blog posts. I would do all my research on my competitors for sure, and try to contact the same people that feature them. So a lot of this work, like the the grant work, that's what I do. Wow. Okay. So that was going to be my next next question was how do you do marketing? Because it sounds like you wouldn't really have time to do it. But you're telling me you do all the things we're supposed to yeah. do, which don't scale, that you do it the difficult way. Yeah, absolutely. Because like, uh, if you want to have some kind of results, like I cannot compete with the big guys because they, like, they have the money to, like in that advertising and in marketing usually, and I'm, I'm generalizing here, but you know, usually the one that wins is the one that has the most money to acquire customers. And I don't have any money to acquire customers. So that's a big problem. And you have to do the things that they they uh, wouldn't want to, to do, basically, uh, because maybe it's a, it's a waste of their time or, you know, it's a low-value activity for them. That Those are the, the things that you need to do because that's your... you Like, your, your competitor weakness have to become like your competitive weaknesses have to become your unique value proposition and um, that's what I do every time yeah well it's still amazing that you managed to keep doing all that for multiple products simultaneously you must not have much time for practicing yeah I mean I'm a little bit of a like I'm I'm in a mastermind with other founders like SaaS founders and it's I'm basically becoming a little bit of a running joke because like when I go to the mastermind and we share like the wins or the, the things that we did in the week, I always have more than anyone else. <laughs> so it's a, it's becoming a little bit of a running joke here as well. But yeah, I'm probably the most productive person that I, I know, to be honest. Like I do a lot of things to do. Yeah, well, that, I mean, that's a competitive advantage in itself. Are there are there any things you do to grow your businesses that you kind of do repeatedly across all of them that you know works, or are they all just completely like different for each business? Things that don't scale. Let's see. Well, I think one thing that I do every time is kind of know my competition really well, and I do that you know by researching micro data. And I've also written about this on my blog, but yeah, for example, the last product that I've brought to market, Trendly, you know, I, I have some big competitors, some are funded, some are bootstrapped, some are even got acquired after, you know, a brief period. 
in their existence. But yeah, I try to like research every conversation. Not like I, I, I try not to focus on how they like the owners present their products, but I try to focus on how the target market reacts to it and how their customers, you know, define it. And and literally I, I take their own words and I try to make use of that. So for example, one 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 use in is in the product. That when, when you are building product you can make features that the others don't have and, and that the market is requesting. And you can really get into the mind of, of the of the, the person of the like the target market that you are addressing. And uh, the other the other thing you can do with microdata is also good for marketing. Because uh, again, for example, my my English is not perfect, but if you go on the site, if you go on friendly.com, what you see is basically I would say more than fifty percent of words on the site are not mine, but are from you know researching the competition and like the, the researching the customers' words. Uh, of, of my competition and taking that and and also using those words for copy and marketing angles. So I think it's a really powerful process and it can be done with everything. Like if you are, for example, an e-commerce owner and you are selling, I don't know, you're selling brand shoes, whatever, you, you can literally go and search, uh, you know, for example, Gucci shoes. You know, you just go on Instagram and you go to, you know, the tab where they can um, tag you. They can tag you, right? And there, you know, right there, you have all all of their customers, and you can see who they are and how do they scrap the product and why they are buying the product. So, you know, for for us, for SaaS, you can go on Product Hunt and you can read all the comments on your competitors' launches. You can go on Acker News and do the same thing. Uh, you can go on in the actors and do the same thing. You know, there are a thousand, like, not really there are thousands, but there are a lot of places you can go to research your competition and your target market. So that's, I think, what I do in uh, each case, like in every case, in every product. That is a, a very good tip. And it's something I'm really terrible at because when I start reading a petition, I always feel so demotivated that I often avoid doing it and just prefer to kind of launch and make stuff up myself rather than see how good the com- competition are and just worry that I'm not going to be able to match up to them. Yeah, but the thing is that you have to, like, uh, you don't have to to do an, an entirely different thing. You can just go and take your, like, do a plus one or a minus one to a current product that exists in the market and you know just that it's enough to be different and uh, like i'm sure my my products are similar to a lot of other products but again it's like doing your own spin it's it's already a, it's already a good process for, for for creativity and it's enough to have a good product i think so what is your plan for the future i I assume that if one of them takes off really quickly and starts growing very fast, you would have to focus on that one or would you be then looking to get a team on board or hand it off to someone else so that you can concentrate on launching things? Yeah, so I, like, I don't think they will grow a lot because like my, 
I think that the, the part of uh, part of this is just like mindset, because even now with like I'm doing I don't know three four k per month now, which is not a lot. I was doing a lot more before, but even with three four k per month, I'm you know I'm I'm good, right? So that's why I'm I'm not like even if I want something, it doesn't mean that what you say like unconsciously you you want the same thing. If, if if I'm if I'm making sense here, so I don't think they will grow if I don't change like that part of my subconscious. But yeah, in, in the future for sure I'm I'm speeding out more more SaaS because that's what I do, and I'm, I mean it's it's just uh, fun to do. So that's uh, something that I enjoy and uh, I want to do that more. So I'm feeling out more stuff, and the overall like project, like the overall uh, uh, strategy, is to get uh, more growth tools so that I can uh, then promote my like original SaaS that I already have. So, for example, I'm doing a uh, SaaS on e-commerce ads, so that it can work as a lead gen for my uh, other e-commerce product, which is called Cart. So yeah, I'm doing a lot of these things which uh, I hope will go the bottom line. And is the goal to have, you know, many of these tools all earning a certain amount per month or are you growing them so that you can hopefully sell a few of them and then launch new things? Yeah, no, I usually I don't sell because it's like a stressful situation and there are a lot of shady people as well. So usually I don't I don't sell like I had uh, an offer for uh, for Trendly two or three days maybe after a lunch for uh, 100k which is a lot of money and I didn't sell so my my thing is as I said is more having a, a, this product as you know lifestyle products and you know really provide value to my customers because they are my investors because I don't have like. I don't have outside investments. I, uh, I, you know, consciously don't uh, take take them, and so my customers are my real investors, and they want to provide more value to them. And uh, you know, SaaS is a great model for that because it's it's a virtuous uh, cycle. Like people pay you to access the software, and you reinvest some you know part of the of, of those money into the product to make it better and serve them better. So that's the kind of you know cycle that I want. I think it's, it's so impressive and inspirational to, to hear what you're doing. I hope in years to come that I can, I can do the same because it just perfectly fits with my, my personality in terms of launching lots of things and having lots of projects going on. The only thing I don't have right now is spare time, unfortunately. So that is holding me back greatly um yeah i don't know i don't know you um very well because we friend each other on on twitter do you have like a full-time job right now yeah yeah so i counted a startup five years ago which is is pretty niche b2c SaaS. so it's doing communications for prisoners helping people in prison to stay in touch with their families so i'm the non-technical co-founder of that but yeah that takes up like all my working hours essentially so i do no code stuff in the evening and try and build other small products but 
yeah, I just don't have much time, and I've got a young daughter now, so that takes oh. up even more time. Yeah, I, I completely understand uh, your situation. Yeah, it's it's uh, difficult when you have a, a full time job, but can you can you code or or, or not? Nope. You can not. I can't. But um, using Bubble, I've managed to make a couple of fairly full featured SaaS products. Like they all have payments integrated, subscription yep. payment. You no, know, they they do. They already have is finding product market fit or market product fit as you call it that's one of the products i launched earlier this year and just didn't have much use so i'm now looking at ways to pivot but as i was saying earlier one thing i'm finding is that if i if i find customers who are too big then they start asking all these questions about information security and gdpr and stuff like that which yeah i can deal with that that's fine but it's going to take me a lot of time and i don't know if they're ever actually going to pay me for the product yeah i mean i mean one thing that i think you you need to do is just um, find really what you are unique on or what are your like two or three things that you can do and that you can merge you know to find some some unique skill that you can then build a product on. So that's you know something that I would advise. That worked for me because my 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 unique thing again is, is that I can look at the right places, but also like I'm I can code, which is a really big thing I, I think, and also I can you know understand how to bring something to the market. And then we also create it because I'm, I'm a musician. So I like I merge these three things together, and you know I I I come up with cool products because I can see opportunities. So I think that's that's what you need to do. Just keep keep building and uh, and, and start finding by by building if it makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Well, actually, just before this call, I had a, a interesting call with a company that potentially wants to use one of my products so that would be like the first proper customer for one of them uh, so yeah. hopefully that's gonna if that goes through then that would be a brilliant start the other, the other thing you can the other thing you can do is uh, if really marketing is stopping you is flip that around and doing the marketing before the product and what i mean by that is is doing again surveys and then pre-sales so maybe you're more comfortable you know, instead instead of going to build as, as soon as you have the idea, you can you can do another another thing in reverse, which is understanding the market first, understanding the your pain points, and and then build the solution. And if you are a pro, you can even resell them on a solution. So I, let's make an example. If I mean I want to do a software in the uh, welding space, you know, I will start call, calling uh, welders and understand what are, you know, their problems, their pain points. And then saying, hey, if I solve this problem for you, I come up with this solution, you know, would you pre, 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 pre buy something, this solution? And then if you don't like it, I will refund you. But at least, you know, you have some money uh, that, you know, validate, validate the idea. And you can use that money also to build the product and kind of you know pay you for your time. So that's another another approach you can have. So have you used that approach before? 
I didn't because uh, I'm just so like I'm just so fast. Yeah. I, will, I will, you know, having go to the market. I did use service in in when I first started out with with SaaS, and you know that I used those just as an indication to, yeah, to like a demonstration of interest uh, from people. So I would decide, you know, should I go into this or not based on the replies. And sometimes I did not. I did not go. Uh, through with the idea, but yeah, I think it's a very powerful tool to 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 use to understand market idea. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, we used we used the survey to come up with the idea for our prison service as just a Facebook survey, and the results were or the response was so strong that we did, we just knew we have to make it. There's we didn't do any more market research. Just one survey told us enough. Yeah. And then now uh, it's making the money. Yeah, yeah, that one's uh, doing well. It's, it's paying for a team of six, so it's good. But well, yeah. but like like you said, I I'm more of a zero to one kind of person than a one to ten. And now with that, we're kind of five or six, and a lot of the work now is working on contracts and negotiating things with the government, which is all stuff that. I don't really like doing. Yeah, I understand. I understand, but yeah, I mean, knowing what you don't you don't like is is as important as knowing what you like. So, for sure, for sure, is something I I, I deal with too. Because when I say I, I'm a zero to one guy, it doesn't mean I cannot be a one to ten guy. Because I think that I can. I'm just uh, I just don't like that part. So I, I would. Just more, I enjoy more focusing on the zero to one part. Yeah, so. absolutely. Me too. What advice would you give to someone who wants to follow in your footsteps and, and perhaps just start at least one kind of small SaaS business? Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm not successful at all. So maybe you should follow someone else's steps. But uh, the advice that uh, I would, Good. I would I would say is if you are if you are a, a programmer like if you can code do not like overdo features like do not do not go too much on building and and coding and and if you are a market a marketeer on the other hand do the opposite so don't go through you know with, with marketing uh, uh, if you don't have a really solid at least like presentable product because Sometimes I see marketers do, you know, shady stuff when they don't have a cool product that they sell anyway. But yeah, so these are my two advices. The other thing is take take care of yourself, which I'm trying to do as well. And that means like, you know, staying more uh, healthy. I'm trying to, for example, lose weight, trying to rest uh, a little bit more right now. And by the way, shout shout. shout Shout out to my partner on one business, Ryan Kulp. He has a book on fitness for hackers. So that helped me lose some weight for sure. So shout out to him. But yeah, what you have to understand is that if you are not resting, probably your competition is. So since like your competition probably has more uh, resources than you, like even in terms of like brains and actual humans working, you know, they can 
be rested all the time, like because maybe one is resting, one is working, one is resting. But you can not have uh, you know those rhythms as as a, as a solo founder, so you need to make sure that you are well rested. Because like so many times I was I, I was like pushing an update at maybe you know uh, midnight or something, and then of course that update you know will break something, and then you have to stay up late fixing, and then you have to push it. But what I'm saying is like if you are tired, of course you will make more mistakes. So at some point. You, you have to go to bed and, and, and rest. And also, I think, like, like the, the, the life of a founder is, is very stressful. So you have to deal with anxiety a lot as well. I, I certainly did when I was building the first product. Because, again, like, relationships there didn't work out. So that, like, made me feel bad, like, made me sick physically as well. So it's a little, it's a big thing to be not stressful and, and to do that you have to, yeah, you have to maybe, you know, go for a run or practice or the yoga, whatever you do. And the other thing is actually trying to isolate yourself because uh, that's, that's another thing that I preach uh, a lot is like, if you are working, you cannot be a, a lot social in my opinion, uh, in my opinion. At least, because like your best work probably needs to be done in, in, in isolation. So I, I preach this thing called the way of the monk, <laughs> which yeah I, I also did when I studied music. But anyway, I try to isolate myself for, from all inputs because we have a lot of, of inputs. Like right now, we have like podcasts, we have like you know YouTube, we have the television, we have you know we can be learning every time, all the time. But really. Right now, learning is the new entertainment, sometimes, you know. So I try to be really conscious on, on you know, what I want to learn. And I learn, I try to learn only if I have a specific problem to solve. So that's one, one thing. And then I try to, again, isolate from all inputs, with me, which means also isolating from, from people as well. Because people, you know, guess what, they are also inputs. And they can be very bad because in your subconscious, you, you think certain things that you just hear, you know, passively when you go to even run and you hear a conversation at the bar. Uh, so, yeah, I try to stay conscious of, of, of that. Awesome. Thank you. And where can people find you online? Yeah, so I'm... I'm on uh, like a blog at rubini.solutions. I'm on Twitter and at Mike Rubini. And uh, I also have a podcast myself when, where I you know, speak about, discuss these things that I, I've told you and, uh, and more. And uh, that's at rubini.solutions slash podcast. Awesome. Uh, thank you very much for coming on. Thanks for listening to Growth Lessons. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and sign up for the newsletter at growthlessons.co where I summarize these conversations into five bullet points or less. Have a great week.